come to our scripture reading this morning. We're going to read the Bible in two places. First, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, which in the Pew Bible is page 1624. Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. And then, if you want to hold your finger there, we'll next turn to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, and that will, those verses will be our text for this morning as well. However, we will be making reference to this parable, the well-known parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. So looking first at Luke 15, starting at verse 11. These words, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brothers come back, he replied. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's start reading from Luke 15, and now these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. This is after Jesus' resurrection, 
It's Easter Sunday. It's the evening of that day. And Jesus now appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Thus our reading from God's holy word. And may he bless that holy word to us. Congregation of Jesus Christ, Jesus speaks a word of peace to his church. And that's more than just a greeting, hello, peace to you, how's it going, God's blessings, hi. It can be taken like that. There's an ordinariness to what he says, but an extraordinariness to its intention. If you remember the circumstances, this is a Christ-betraying church that he speaks peace to. This is a Christ-denying church that he speaks peace to. This is a running and hiding away and denying that they know him church that he speaks to. This is a church that doubts and fears and has little hope, and it's for fear of the Jews. They're locked behind closed doors. A scared, frightened church that he speaks peace to. This is a sin-tattered church. You know, the regular kind of church <laughs> that he speaks peace to. Would you have him not speak peace to that sort of church? To you? Would you have Jesus wait until you get yourself fixed up and then speak and offer a word of peace? Or would you have him instead come to you in brokenness, come to you in weakness, come to you in your sinfulness and, and messiness, and reach out with a word of grace to you? It's very important we give consideration to this because we live in a world that wants peace so bad, wants the happy life. That is it, man. Yeah, maximize joy. We live in a world in which people are seeking peace everywhere, like the old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Well, they're looking for peace in all the wrong places. We have a catechism that begins with, what's your only comfort in life and in death? What's your only peace in this world? What, what would give you peace if you're broke? And would you still have peace if you were? What would give you peace if, and comfort and hope and even joy if you're dying of a terrible disease and you just might 
But that doesn't matter. But I can still have peace and hope and joy and comfort. Well, it's not your cottage on Lake Michigan, I can assure you of that. It's not the new vacation you planned. And it's not how much money you saved up in the bank. It ain't going to do it for you. But there's a lot of people looking to that, to a set of experiences. You know, you got to live life fast and loose and experience a lot. And I think that's fine if you want to do that, whatever. But it won't give you peace. In fact, people fly through marriages looking for joy, right? Well, she's not the one. Well, he's not doing it. Well, she was for a while, and then she gained weight. Well, he was it, but then he lost his job, and he doesn't make enough money. People are looking in all the wrong places for peace. and They're filled with anxiety. Well, maybe a drug will do it. We talk about an opioid epidemic in our country. So some of us who are older who remember the 60s and 70s and heroin, and we kind of got over that, and then it was, oh, cocaine, and, and you kind of get over that. M oh, meth, and, you, you kinda, and now, now we're back to opioids and heroin and all this again. A society that has, if I don't have money, I'll find a way to have it so I can try to get some peace, because I don't have any. And this is the only thing that helps me cope. And then it's a dagger in my heart, too. It's a monster. You see this brokenness everywhere. And now to a sin-tattered church, with some of us having struggled with the same sins our whole life, and the prospect is, is we're going to continue to struggle with the same sins. And you know what? We need the same grace, the same mercy. We'll need the same table of the Lord where we seek and find that my hope, my life, is in the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, plus nothing. Not plus my trying really hard. Not plus if I can just get more sanctified, I can get justified. Not that. I think that's how most Christians live, though. You know, we denounce Roman Catholics for messing up just sanctification, justification, and getting them all mixed together, and, and, you know, too much sanctification so I can get justified. But we live like that too, all the time. God won't love me until. God won't be good to me until. I'm good enough. That's how the older son thought. Back of the line, Herman. Back of the line, little brother. Let's see some reform in your life and maybe you can move up a chair after a while. Back of the line for you. Back of the line, son. What are you doing back in this town after you stole from me, humiliated me? After you've wasted all these... Who do you think you are showing up here? That's the worldly way of calculating grace. When you're worthy, when you can play better, you can shift a chair. Maybe you can make first chair someday, but you don't play very good yet. 
And we want to celebrate Reformation, grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone, and we don't believe it's alone at all. And Christ comes to messy people like us, a sin-tattered church, and he says, peace to you. I need that. I need Christ to be gracious to me when I don't deserve it, because that's what grace is. There's no deserving it. I need, when I have not lived square and right, I need to know there's a God of grace who will receive back home a prodigal like myself. You realize how many runaways there are out there why don't they just go home? I guess be better than prostituting yourself on the streets of Chicago or Hollywood or some other. Because they don't have a parent, a father looking for the silhouette of that son or daughter prepared to run to them and greet them. But see, there's one thing this lost son knew. He knew who his father was. He knew he could still go back home. And that's why we come to the Lord's table with our sins afresh, our failures afresh. We know who our Heavenly Father is in Jesus Christ. And he doesn't send us away as sinners. He calls us to repentance and to faith and trust. And it's because he's a God who has his hands out in mercy that we even dare come. I didn't learn this till later in the ministry. I had read it already in college in Calvin's big book called The Institutes. But, you know, that's a big book. You can read a lot of stuff and it doesn't all register. But one year I was teaching that and I was rereading it. And Calvin makes this point that's an obvious one, that, but somehow it wasn't obvious to me for a long time, and it was this. No sinner turns to God except they know that God is merciful to receive them. Think about it. If you know God's just a meanie who hates you, why would you ever turn to him? You wouldn't. It's only because that's what the good news of the gospel is. That's what the father in the parable is about. Who he hasn't heard from afar the son's words of repentance. All he has seen is his son. The silhouette in a distance and running out and throwing his arms around him and kissing him. And he blurts out the first half of his repentance speech. But it's almost like, yeah, and he's barking orders to the servants. He, the son returns to a father with arms open to be merciful, and we turn to a God, arms merciful to receive us at this table that reminds us that our life is in Christ Jesus alone, his mercy alone. Trust in him, not yourself, your best effort. Trust in him alone. He 
And Christ comes to a sin-tattered church afraid that they all run away. Peter had really represented of all of him. Thrice denied him and enunciated and sealed it with a curse. Some profanity at the end. I don't know the man! Peace to you. First words to a, a Christ-betraying church is peace to you. Not rebuke. The first words are peace. See, what makes people nervous, and I get it, is, well, well, now I, I let grace abound, and all of a sin abounds some more. See, that's older son thinking. That's older brother thinking. That's Pharisee thinking. That's, what is a tax collector doing in here? Thinking. That's the sort of thinking that leads to prayers. I thank you, Lord, I'm not like all the rotten people in the world. And there's so many rotten ones. Oh, Lord, how do you take it? How do I take it? I'm so thankful for your sanctifying grace in my life. Oh, wow. You know, I come to church, I tithe, I give this, I do that. Oh, Lord, you're, you're, so, mer- you're so great, you're so merciful. Oh, thank you for making me the way I am. That's a Pharisee prayer, right? You've never prayed that prayer? I've never prayed that prayer? But it's the tax collector, the slimy guy, the guy with the fat wallet who's bled money off of everyone else, the guy who's in cahoots with the Roman oppressors, the fat wallet tax guy who doesn't belong, who's in the back and won't even lift his eyes to heaven asking, have mercy on me, the sinner. But notice he's going to a God where he can seek mercy. Notice the Pharisee doesn't seek mercy. He's just filled with gratitude that God has made him so swell. You know, better than the next guy. I'm not like that tax collector, by the way, have you noticed? I'm not like that drug dealer. I'm not like that prostitute. I'm not like that out-of-work guy who's lazy. Won't do anything. Thank you, Lord. I'm not like those people. What's the commotion about? What's going on? Your brother's home. What? Yeah, your brother's come back safe and sound. Your dad, he's putting on a party. And this is a party, my friend. This isn't a little, you know, quiet coffee and cake after the evening service with a little gathering in the front room of the house, the living room, and, and you talk politely and you sip and, you know. Let, let's make it a, a 60s ladies white glove. Remember the glass plates and the cups? I, I, I'm old enough to remember my, my mom would host these little, you know, I was glad I'm not a woman back in those days. Uh, and you got in your Sunday best, and you had your little gloves, and everything's all proper, and you're sipping your... 
This is a block party. There's music, there's dancing, there's noise, there's celebration. People are having joy. What is going on here? I've been working all day. Your brother's safe and sound. Your father's killed the fatted calf. And he's angry. Hey, I'm the guy who was there at 6 in the morning to be hired, and I've been working the whole day. And this 5 o'clock latecomer is going to get what I get? He's going to get paid what I get paid? Are you serious? I'm the guy who skipped skating with my friends and stayed home to knit potholders with mom for the Sunday school sell-off program. And my little brother's off sharing personal jacuzzis with sexy women and squandering money on prostitutes? Seriously now. Mercy for that? Is that how you think? And you think like an older brother and like a Pharisee at the temple. And the Father has to come out to you and say, come join the party. He's not just a son of mine. He's a brother of yours. And what he most needed, he's gotten. He has sought mercy and he's found mercy. He's sought forgiveness and he's received forgiveness. He had no peace and now he's found peace. And you don't need it. You don't need this mercy in your life. You know, if any of this makes you have a chip on your shoulder, then, then really ask yourself, are you an older brother? Do you practice older brother Christianity? Is that all the gospel has made you into a moralist? I've been a slaving for you all my life, Father, Heavenly Father. I keep the rules. I keep the traffic rules. I've been doing it right. I've been up at six. I got hired early. And this latecomer gets what I get. You didn't earn any of it to start with. It's all grace from, from first to last. It's not that Jesus gets you going, then you do all the good stuff, and then he rewards you at the end because God helps those who help themselves. Not that. He's the author and finisher. He has to carry us the whole way. It's his work of salvation the whole way. What are we told here in John? He repeats it. This scared church, this, this sin-tattered church, Christ-denying church, peace be with you as the Father sent me. I'm sending you. I'm not done with you. I don't start over. I don't erase you. I take what's broken. You need what the whole world needs. You need the gospel of salvation. You need the blood of Jesus Christ. As those who receive mercy, now I'm sending you to be the agents to proclaim mercy. As I was sent, now sent from the Father to proclaim him, and now 
you proclaim the good news of salvation in me. You bear witness to that I'm sending you. The church is a sent community. It has to huddle, but it's a little like football. Imagine football where they go into a huddle, call a play, and then stay in the huddle. Well, let's have another play. Well, was that last play any good? I don't know. I sure like hearing you call it, though. Well, call another play. No one's going to watch that game because the point of the huddle is to actually execute the play. The church huddles in worship, perhaps, somewhat. I mean, in a way, it's a huddle. But it's always sent out to do, sent out to proclaim, sent out to live, sent out to bear witness. As I was sent, Jesus didn't stay huddled in heaven he didn't have to, no. He goes into a grubby place. He goes into a broken world, takes on grubby flesh, deals with grubby, nasty, mean sinners who inflict a lot of harm, right? He goes to a dangerous place. He goes to a sin-tattered world to bring redemption. And he comes even into, sends the Holy Spirit. What does he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit indwells, Pentecost last Sunday, the Spirit indwells us, sanctified in Christ, but in ourselves. The Spirit doesn't know our sinful thoughts, our greeds, our lusts, our anger, our bitterness, our covetousness. Our meanness. He indwells a messy place, us. Being sent out always means being placed in places we'd prefer not to go. But that's why it's good news, because it's a sin-tattered world that needs the love of God in Christ Jesus, that needs the good news of salvation. It's what you need that's out, has no peace, but needs a word of peace in him. It's what you need. It's what your marriage needs. There's not a marriage here that doesn't need the grace of God in Christ Jesus changing each partner from the inside to be humble and soft and kind and compassionate and loving and understanding and self-sacrificial and giving and forgiving. And that's not something you just need in your 20s when you're young. You need it in your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. You need it all the way through. We need a world that needs the forgiveness of sins. And receiving forgiveness to practice forgiveness of sins and in practicing it, practicing non-sinning, right? Christ comes to a sin-tattered church. He comes to us. He comes to us in all the ways we know and experience and see a world in brokenness. And he calls us then to be like the younger son turning to the Father for mercy. And if we're behaving like an older son, 
to get with it and join the party. You know, we're not told whether he does. We're told that he needs to. If he doesn't, he's as lost as the younger brother. He's as lost in a church religion kind of way instead of a scandalous, riotous living kind of way. You can be lost both ways. If you're not seeking the love of God in Christ Jesus, you're lost. If you're depending upon your own lifestyle and obedience so that you belong here because you're good enough, you're lost. Congregation, we come here because we need mercy. We come and we partake of bread and wine, a visible thing that points us to the most glorious invisible thing. That is, is certainly as I have bread in my mouth and it's consumed and becomes part of me and as certain as I have this wine on my tongue and I consume it and it's part of me, something very tangible, certain, just as certain it points to something intangible but just as big a, re a bigger reality invisible but just as important more important that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all my sin and that I'm made flesh of his flesh bone of his bone I'm the body of Christ having consumed him by the Holy Spirit and I'm reckoned righteous, wanted, righteous, desired, loved, forgiven, cleansed. And I have peace with God. Isn't that good news? Now I can face the grave. Now I can face the bills. Now I can face... What is my grandson and his crazy decisions doing to his life? I don't have the power and the might to change him. I can't help my daughter be different. Lord, they're in your hands. But I have peace that they're in your hands. I'm a small person. I can't even fight the best fight to overcome my own sins. I got my own problems. I need grace galore just for me to start with. And Christ comes to you. He comes to me. To a sin-tattered church in a sin-tattered world. And he says to us, peace be with you. Believe him. Believe him. Have peace. It's okay. He's with you. There's a party. Sinners are getting saved. Come join the celebration. You're a sinner getting saved. Celebrate. Come celebrate. Find peace. Amen. Our gracious God, we ask your tender mercies upon us. We ask your forgiving care.
We ask your presence, your wisdom to lead and guide us. And above all, Lord, may we believe the word of peace you speak to us. Believe it. Not listen to the devil's lies, but believe what you say. Hear our prayer. For Jesus' sake, amen. Shall we...